Hello, and welcome to the Hospitality Insights podcast, In Focus. The impact that COVID-19 is having on the hospitality industry is palpable. There is no time more important than right now to come together, share information, and discuss what this means for our future. Join us every week for a fresh episode of conversation, insight, and analysis with contributions from senior people across the industry. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to this week's Hospitality Insights in Focus, where we discuss the stories and people in hospitality investment, development and operations. I'm Julie Raygore, Content Director of Questex Hospitality and Travel, and I'm joined by Catherine Dogron, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Insights. How are you, Catherine? I'm very well, Julie. How are you? Very good, very good. And uh, so you're in London at the moment. And um, what are your thoughts on the reopening of pubs and restaurants and hotels last weekend? Um, well, I didn't go to Weatherspoons at six o'clock in the morning, um, although obviously it was deeply, deeply tempting. Um, I am waiting to see how that works out. Um, as we speak, I think there are a few few pubs have been closed again um, as a result of people testing positive for the virus. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not allowed to talk about science, so I can't confirm whether you can get it in three days and you would show symptoms or anything like that. But um, but they have done. So I think it's going to be a process like that everywhere, isn't it? It's going to be mm. one step forward, one step back, different locations, shutting and closing and opening. And, you know, so that's just marvellous for, for trying to forecast what's happening in your business. Mm. Um, <laughs> so a non-relaxing time for everyone. But there is hope that um, that summer will be salvaged. Um, we heard this week and that people will be able to travel and go to places and sit on a beach, possibly face down um, and enjoy a break. Uh, which is just good news for everyone um, yeah. ahead of the autumn frenzy as it looks like it's warming up to be. Yeah. It, it looks though on um, uh, social media and things like that that um, a, a lot of pub owners and restaurant owners were a bit concerned about the uh, really low earnings of that weekend and wondering if it was worth the cost of reopening. Well this is the thing isn't it where's the break-even point and where will it be worth it and no one really knows why people would or wouldn't go. There's lots of speculation that people are concerned about for their health, obviously, understandably. Um, in Paris, I have seen quite a lot of people going out to restaurants, but a lot of the restaurants have had outdoor space and it's been obviously very hot and sunny, which is all very reassuring. Um, so this is what people want. But we've also seen um, huge growth in bookings for things like Airbnb, where people are eager to go to places that they're where they can isolate um, on their own in the sun. Um, mm. And I think it was a lot of that. But um, yes, it's going to be a, a difficult one going ahead and the sector will need more government support and uh, and all those things if it's going to keep going. And we can still expect to see a lot of pain um, in, you know, coming quarters and a lot of deals, a lot of M&A. So start your, um, I keep meaning to start my fantasy, fantasy consolidation uh, <laughs> league. I uh, really <laughs> wish to start on the website. <laughs> yes, and... Talking of which, uh, you've been uh, you've been on the call with Accor this week. Tell us about it. For AGM, love an AGM call. The audit committee half hour is always particularly rewarding. Um, yes, it sort of trotted along. There were people wearing suits, um, which is an exciting thing to see. You know, these days, moving yeah. a meeting um, with a logo, and you know, we don't see enough of it. And there were no, you know, no bookshelves or anything like that. It was just an actual place where people were you know, indulging in the corporate world. It's fascinating just for that alone. Um, yes, and they did reveal that they were, they are planning a reorganisation of the company and that we will hear more on the 4th of August when their um, first half results come out. So 
start your speculation now. Um, we understand that they're marketing Accor HQ at the moment, which they bought a few years ago and are now looking to for a sale and leaseback deal, which is completely understandable. Huge amounts of cash uh, to be released from that. And as far as we could tell from the AGM call, um, they are looking to be more nimble. And being mm. more nimble doesn't involve owning huge tower blocks on the outskirts of Paris. So that seems entirely reasonable. Um, what they'll do with all this stashed cash, they've got four, access to 4 billion euros at the moment. Seems like a fair amount. You can never have too much. Will they indulge in buying everything? Seems to be the Accor way. But at the moment, it's all about being more nimble. Um, so yes, we look forward to seeing what this nimbleness sounds like. Um, there's lots of talk about, well not lots of talk, there's hardly any talk, but um, there was rumours and you could tease out the idea that they're looking to move away from stuff owners don't want. Of course, Accor is an owner still marginally and has a history of ownership. And so they're moving away to from what owners don't want to pay for, perhaps. We could see a shift in what branding means, which would be interesting. Um, you know, owners are always complaining about having to have pillow menus and an exact type of this. And, you know, I've worked for hospitality companies and you get a nice laminated board of exactly how every pay, every, you know, every plate needs to look and all this kind of thing. We have seen relaxations of brand standards already um, during the lockdown because owners don't have money to start, you know, fluttering away on bits and pieces when they need to be paying for these things that spread stuff come over there. I want to call them antimatter um, deodorizers, but that's completely not what they are. Um, but they're <laughs> having to spend out on all this, and that's meant a relaxation of brand standards. And um, it would be interesting to see if we see more of that going ahead, going forward, and whether that means a return to service, which is something that the hotel sector has been lacking in its pursuit of branding. I think it's often forgotten what the client was saying. And I was talking to also on uh, this week's in focus who was talking more about what the customer wants and what the customer wants is service. It's not always, always, sometimes it is, pillow menus. Um, and so it would be interesting if Accor was to make that leap into defining itself as a hospitality company. It's often said that, that it will do. Um, more along those lines and less along the branding lines and if so if that's how it's going to sell itself to owners. So in wild speculation land I would love it if that happened. Um, mm. Let's follow suit we await the 4th of August. Maybe it'll just be loads of job cuts. Well, if um, uh, if, if they're after providing uh, better service, now, how, how do they actually manage that? Because brand standards are, are a way to make sure that they um, uh, they deliver the Accor experience to the customer. And 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 Bazin has been vocal previously about how he he loves being in hospitality and, and particularly being an operator because they are close to the customers. How do they control the 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 not uniformity but um, um, the level of experience if they are less strict with their standards? Well, this is it, isn't it? And so, what you have to do, unfortunately, is give the power to an extent over to the staff. And um, and we were talking about this last week, and it remains true. Um, but if you look at something like Twenty Five Hours, which of course is part of the Accor stable these days, they have. Um, soul managers, I believe they're called, correct me if I'm wrong, and they are in charge of maintaining a service like hospitable outlook. And if you go to a 25 hours hotel, the staff are empowered to help you. And it's not about 
the brand standards and I'm the receptionist, I can only do receptionist things. It's about that. And there are things about 25 hours in the operations and in the building themselves that make them 25 hours. But a lot of it is about the service. And um, ACO have talked before about the need to empower staff. And this could be something that we see extended. They have the whole this Heartist programme and so on and so forth. And they've definitely been going down that road. It'd be interesting if they can use that to sell to investors, possibly combining it with a touch of, look, we're an investor too, and um, we understand how tough it is. We know that you don't want to do this, that, and the other. How you do that with X plus brands and make them different to each other remains to be seen. But I think that there's a market out there for the customer to, you know, get better service. <laughs> I think we'd all be interested. The tricky thing is that you can't really have a tick list of uh, of service no. points like you can have for, for menu and, and bits of design. So uh, how can the investors check their KPIs that are, are fully kind of followed if it's something as well, subtle as service? Those, those were always there for the operator anyway to mm. say back to the, you know, it's, it's all about reassuring each other, isn't it, in these contracts? It's, you know, look at this great big long list of ways to make something like a, Holiday Inn, just plucking that out of the air. Ways to make it, you know, yeah, I've seen the Holiday Inn book and it's like this, keep your door open. And all of them are the same. Um, and that's reassuring if you're the owner. Everyone knows what they've got to stick to and that's fine. But it may be time to make that a bit, a bit smaller and try and make things more service oriented and less, possibly less tangible. I'm sure there'll be KPIs that you can follow. People have looked at TripAdvisor scores, customer satisfaction scores and have those. And there are companies who do weight their bonus schemes to those and maybe we'll see more of that rather than we came around and your pillow wasn't properly fluffed up. One thing that um, surprised me, shocked me nearly in the, in that call was uh, Bazin saying he wanted to be less audacious. <laughs> what is that about? I am concerned. Well, I would presume to start rummaging around in Bazin's mind and neither would any of us um, because surprising things come out of it. But um, yes, less audacious. I can't see it myself. I think he's trying to reassure the shareholders that he's got, not going to rush off and buy Marriott. Um, but, you know, if he was to rush off and buy Marriott, it wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened, I don't think. But <laughs> impossible. Interesting, definitely. It'd be very interesting. And he wouldn't, you know, be the first person to. I think everyone in the sector has tried to do that at some point, um, trying to bring the two together. But um, but I, there are huge opportunities for consolidation at the moment. And there are plenty, there'll be plenty of things to buy whether he'll look to, to the north of Europe, whether he'll look to somewhere else entirely. Um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it will just be all about, you know, becoming more nimble. Maybe it will be about the operations of the company. Maybe it will be as interesting as that. It's, um, yeah. I don't know. I think we'll, there's some audacity left at the moment. Yes, yeah, so, oh, something to do with Chanel. Is it the, the oh, importance yes. of a, a Chanel uh, person on the board? Yes, uh, uh, a from Chanel has come into. Um, to be more luxury at them to to enable the world of luxury fun um which is an interesting time because of course as we know luxury is not exactly top of everyone's agenda at the moment but they're sticking with it um and they're bringing this guy in whose name completely escapes me which a wonderful person now, um to chanel it up uh so look forward to that maybe it will extend out through the um through the portfolio and we can enjoy it and it is but um but no they're sticking to their luxury guns and, uh, and that's how they want to play it. Um, of course, Orient Express and all the rest of it now uh, in, uh, in LVMH's hands. So in the kind of the world of, of Paris business, it's important to make sure that you align yourself with the right designers and, uh, and fashion houses and, and so on and so forth. Mm. You can all go out again. 
Um, so yes, more luxury for them. I think they've got a handle on on budget anyway, so they won't need to bring anyone in from Aldi or Lidl to advise them. <laughs> that, that would be an interesting meeting. The, uh, the an Aldi person talking to Chanel. That's yes, the Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and well, still talking about luxury, uh, Huazu uh, had some uh, kind of quite a positive, quite positive news this week that, uh, about uh, recovery, and uh, and they're seeing luxury as one of the main factors in it. Yes, yes, they were. They've been looking to the upscale for a while, and um, yes, yeah, so they've, um, of course, Huazu have had their pandemic. They hope. Um, so they were moving on and, and as we, you know, listen to the SDR call every week to hear how things are doing, they, people always refer back to, to China, um, which isn't a perfect model, but, you know, they've had it and they're out the other side, so we have to get it from somewhere. And they're plateauing it at the moment in China a little bit, and of course they're uh, sort of bubbles popping up in different locations of the virus. But on the whole, it seems to be under control. And so, yes, Wazoo have returned to there, where are we looking now? And of course, what they were doing before this was buying Deutsche Hospitality and, um, and getting more deeply into Europe and getting more deeply into the upscale market. And so that's where they think the opportunity line will be fascinated to see how that goes, particularly given their relationship, of course, with Accor. So um, hmm, maybe we'll see some more shenanigans there. How, how strong is the relationship with Accor compared with the one with Deutsche Hospitality? Is there is there potential for friction there between the two? There is, of course, potential for friction. Um, they're both um, shareholders in each other's groups. Um, Accor and Wazoo. Wazoo own Deutsche Hospitality. Um, and obviously Deutsche Hospitality compete with Accor uh, in Europe. And so I think we will see some interesting uh, meetings going on there as far as maybe competing sites go. I'm sure they've got a plan in play, but um, you'll recall that there were issues around Accor and Jinjang um, when they were building up their shareholding and which led, of course, to the relationship with Wazoo. But, um, so, and there was a lot of trauma there and Jinjang still aren't allowed on the Accor board because of things they may see in the Accor books and that's only right and proper. And now, of course, um, Wazoo were there able to to look at all these things. So we'll see some some shifting and shaking. Um, I think Radisson will be one of those companies that we should be watching as the downturn really starts to make its presence felt anyway. So maybe all things will change there and that will present some opportunities for all sorts of people. I don't know, Hyatt, um, <clears throat> always. Uh, so who knows how this will all look come December, but um, but I think it's it's certain that we will. I'm gonna you know put all my chips on the table and say that we will have seen an audacious move from Accor by December at the very least. Okay. So isn't there always an audacious move by Accor by December? It's not. It's not a big punt. <laughs> so I'm not anticipating losing my shirt on this. <laughs> so no, no. So, um, so, so we're usually kind of entering a kind of slow news period in, in any other kind of normal year, but uh, this is definitely not happening. Plenty to speculate about. Absolutely. And of course, results season is now underway. Um, and this promises, unless we get a second wave, to be the most horrifying results season that mankind has ever seen. Um, everyone will be hoping that this is the, the last one and we'll be moving up. But this one should be truly, truly horrifying. Um, so, you know, something, something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> if not something to want to live through so um so yes yeah. but it'll be interesting to see where obviously Acker have come out and said we're having a reorganization um 
they it was in the Q and A, so I don't think they were planning on particularly going into into great depth about it or announcing it at all. But it came out anyway. Um, but this does not make them different to any other of the hotel organisations. Every single company will be having a reorganisation, and we anticipate seeing more detail of that in their in their upcoming results. So you can expect news from Marriott, news from Joyce, news from all of them about what they're doing, how they're responding, and what that means. Um, I think, unfortunately, for most people, it's going to mean job cuts and um, the usual that you would anticipate in all this. So it won't be any fun. But we'll be interested to see how many of them are going to innovate as they do it rather than just go down the traditional routes. Um, and uh, moving on to our guests this week, uh, you are chatting with Leslie Johns, a managing director and co-founder of Pitaya Group. So she's focused on the FNB lifestyle. Mm. What does it mean now um, compared to, to pre-COVID, pre-distancing, etc.? Well, you and I are not getting our hash browns at breakfast, I'll tell you that much. Um, but <laughs> but there is a way to bring your own hash browns, people. But um, yes, it's all about making F&B spectacular for the guest, um, despite it being sort of delivered in a box and left outside their room. There are ways to do this um, without it being awful. And, um, and this is the trick. So she was talking to me a lot about the customer and how to make the customer experience a wonderful one, which is good to hear because at the moment, it, it, it's been about making the customer experience a clean one um, but now it's about reminding people that if they're paying a luxury room rate they really need to see some luxury and not just cleanliness and so a spectacular delivery of a wonderful breakfast box um, is going to be the way ahead and I'm not opposed to that this is you know cleanliness but you don't have to get dressed you can stay in bed and eat your breakfast um, which is luxury as far as I'm concerned it I know is. everyone's luxury it's is, yes. different now you don't have to get dressed and go down to the, the yeah. buffet if you these people who get dressed at the buffet um and you don't have to queue up and shuffle around and poke very hot tongs which have been overheating on a you know under a light so really you know i think i'll take that yeah it's just uh, i think i miss the kind of omelette stations and things like that i just i just love a breakfast buffet it's one of my favorite things about traveling well i mean there's sort of that innovation isn't it so you can if you go to somewhere, so say a sushi restaurant where they have a conveyor belt mm. of food, there must be a way to have a traveling conveyor belt. You see pop-up conveyor belts all over the place, don't you? Mm. Um, so could you have that going past your door with the different buffet options but individually? Can you have a mobile conveyor belt and somebody at the end of it, you know, feeding on things that you might want and then you take them off as it goes past your door? I don't see why not. <laughs> Little kind of omelette person at the end of the corridor. I yeah. don't want mushrooms. Who doesn't have a camping stove? Come on. <laughs> okay, I'll settle for a nice breakfast in my room. I think that that's that's a nice option. Why shouldn't the omelette person come to your room, stand outside your door with a camping stove? People. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. It does. does. <laughs> yes. yes, I can. I can hear the smoke detectors going off now. <laughs> Catherine, thank you very much and um, have a great time. Enjoy London in lockdown and <laughs> see, you, see you next week. Welcome to this week's In Focus and joining me today is Leslie Johns, who is the MD and co-founder of Pattaya Group. Welcome. As you can see, Leslie thank is you. somewhere very sunny and wonderful and, um, and we can feel it coming out of the screen here with our book background that we've been enjoying as everyone else. People are getting out there into the world and it's very exciting. So um, how's your lockdown been and how have you seen things changing for the customer? 
So lockdown was at the very beginning quite hard because we knew as we work for hospitality funds, hotel owners across Europe, we had a hard time uh, connecting with them at the very beginning, which was normal because they had to close the hotel, make sure, you know, organize themselves. Um, regarding the, the closing, the reopening, etc. So the very beginning, the very first week was quite quiet because we didn't know where uh, the projects were going and how um, how late they will be um, um, in the timeline. Uh, but within two, three weeks, we had news from our clients and we started working on the after COVID, which was very interesting because we worked on the client experience and on the client journey. Um, but not only for the few weeks after the re reopening, but you know, on a long-term basis. Um, our big clients, hotel firms and hotel owners, wanted us to work on how after the reopening, we're gonna focus the client journey either on FNB and what will be FNB tomorrow, or uh, on the global client journey, which for us was the main focus, because we were scared that after the re re reopening, Hotels will be focused on, of course, making money for getting the, uh, the the client journey. So we worked a lot on all of those steps from the booking till the checkout. Yeah. And um, so it'd be great to hear some, some detail on that. But I'm quite intrigued because it seems like there's going to be a shift of power. Now there are going to be inevitably fewer customers coming into yep. hotels. And so yep. what the customer wants will have to become yep. more important to um, to the different hotels and they have to listen more. Yep. How have you managed to, how have you seen that playing out? So we of course worked on first trust because you know, um, loyalty is very linked to trust and customers, you need to regain the trust of the customers, making sure they are at the center of the client journey. And sometimes you tend to forget that uh, by talking a lot about um, COVID, uh, what did you put in place for COVID in terms of, you know, um, sanitary um, elements can be very stressful for clients. Mm -hmm. If you only speak about, oh, this has been cleaned that way, uh, we'll make sure that, you know, everything is super clean, COVID is not here, it's not there, you put COVID at the center of the client journey. So, of course, it needs to be in integrated, but trust is also Will I have the same client journey of the same experience post-COVID for the same price of a night? Mm. So it's a good balance between, okay, we took, we took care about you know, the, the COVID and we're going to take care of you the same way. Um, so, so trust is very something very important for, for tomorrow. Right. And how do you generate that trust and how much is, we've seen lots of the brands have come out with any number yep. of different um, protocols, cleaning protocols, and some of them, obviously, we want everyone to be safe. Some of them seem valid, and some of them seem theatre. Um, and I don't see that there's anything terribly wrong with things being theatre if they're generating the the necessary trust. How have you managed? Have you seen a kind of a playoff in that in what you've been yes. doing? Um, if I can give you a concrete example, uh, we worked on how we can reintegrate FNB in the hotels. I mean, um, room service, breakfast, and how the balance between those sanitary um, new processes will be integrated into the FNB and how client experience will be. Um, it's just sometimes you need to make people forget that they don't, don't, they're not gonna have a 
breakfast buffet tomorrow, but they're going to have something cooler than that. Mm. You know, cooler <laughs> meaning, you know, an amazing <laughs> breakfast bag coming into your room or a big breakfast uh, box in five-star hotels that, you know, it's just put in front of your door with amazing stuff in it. It's just not just say, sorry, we won't have any breakfast because for sanitary reasons, it's not going to be okay. It's just, oh, so we innovated and, you know, we took a step ahead and invented something very cool to make the experience cooler than it was before. Oh, okay. And this is for us something very important in how we managed to make people forget that there were sanitary risks within the hotel and especially with FNB and people entering the room and, and a buffet, etc. Yeah, fantastic. I think I can leave the buffet behind anyway. Um, <laughs> not, not that it wasn't cool, but um, I love a hash brown. But, but um, so um, we've seen a lot of trends accelerating in the sector yeah. all over the place, transactions, different mm -hmm. types of, you know, people being more interested in hostels and service departments. Yep. Have you seen any trends accelerating in the areas that you're dealing with or have there been and have there been new things coming in? For us, the next trend will be a focus on economic hotels uh, that were, it was the trend before uh, COVID. I mean, we work a lot with big actors like Accor, et cetera, and we know that all those big actors are more than willing to expand and develop economic brands. But we think that really tomorrow, the economic brands are still the safest investment to make, mm -hmm. a very safe one and a very scalable one, um, either in terms of um, lodging, but also F&B and everything related to the economic um, sector. So this mm -hmm. is for us a big trend and maybe it's going to um, lead to innovations. And we know some of those leaders are starting working on those new economic brands that are you know, super innovative, super lifestyle. And we think tomorrow this will be the, the big trend. And we hope that some elements, as you mentioned, the buffet, I mean, at Pitaya Group, we're not very fond of a buffet with 10 different kinds of hams, 15 different kinds of cheeses. And we still, you know, we're kind of fighting this. Uh, um, we've been fighting this for, for the past few years. So maybe the thing we were fighting for um, within the past few years will be now changed because mentality will change. And people won't be able, won't, won't like to see uh, those, you know, different kind, uh, 15 kind of hams, 15 kind of cheeses and focus on the more healthy and the more effective solution. So maybe it will accelerate some of those stuff that we were thinking about before, before mm -hmm. COVID. Yes. Do you think we'll see a move to more healthy, smoothie based breakfast, fresh fruit? No? People I, I, I think this is a depth we have you know we have we have to offer that to our clients so it won't be a trend anymore and it's still something we need to offer to the clients um something healthy but maybe less is more it, it will be the more less is more um trend tomorrow mm. and so how do you make a pair more pared down offering um exciting and hospitable because one of the big problems of all of this with the masks and everything is that it's different difficult to be hospitable in a hotel and it's difficult yep. to have fun and people are, are suffering from a lack of fun i'm suffering from a lack of fun yep um and i know i'm not the only one how do you do all that in the new realm of operation um getting back to what i said earlier is more of you know what is the hotel concept what is the positioning of the concept we're working on and how we're going to step by step work on the client experience we know that if you have a bad experience in a, in a hotel and you can have one you need 12 amazing experience 
to get rid of this bad experience. Twelve. So twelve, twelve of them. <laughs> so this is our number at the agency. So we're gonna rework on all those twelve points of happiness that we call at Pitaya Group to make mm. sure that if you have a bad experience, if it's within you know those sanitary protocol or the mask or something that goes wrong, we need to work on more amazing twelve points of happiness. And this happens more likely in the room. Right. You know, maybe tomorrow is going to be more in a room and how we can bring food in the room or how we can welcome people in the room or how the check-in is going to be done. And it's at every step of the way, mm. you know, maybe less interaction at the front desk because, you know, having someone with a mask is kind of, you know, not very, not very nice and have more information on your e welcome email when you check in, same when you check out. So maybe, maybe put more efficiency in the whole digital process when you check in and when you check out to leave space for fun. Mm. And we can have fun even though you don't have a big dinner in the ground floor, you know, in the lobby, in the restaurant, etc. It's just a matter of, of where do you put your point of happiness tomorrow yep. within, within the client experience. I like the idea of 12, 12 points of happiness. <laughs> So you're talking about um, the uh, rise of the economy, um, which I think is something that we are seeing and, and certainly you've mentioned it and it will be a thing and everyone needs to save costs. Where does all this leave the luxury sector? Uh, luxury sector is always the one that it's mainly touched. Uh, and we see that, you know, um, in France with all the palace. I mean, you see like the, the high, high luxury hotels like Plaza Atene, like uh, Ritz, they're not opening until September. Mm -hmm. um, we need international clients. And I think this sector needs to be, to learn from their past mistakes, to be a, li a little bit too rigid. And they need to work on their flexibility tomorrow. Mm. Uh, because they, we need to be more flexible on same every step of the way, all, all the way to the client experience from booking to checkout. And they will need to integrate the flexibility of what we've been fighting for so far for the past few years. If I'm, if I'm an American customer and I want to have an um, omelette at 11 a.m., I need to have it, you know. And mm. sometimes it's just, you know, they've put some rules, some hours and some tomorrow to regain the trust. Uh, I really think that flexibility is the key for uh, the luxury sector. Mm. Uh, to make sure that you know they go with the vibe and they go with the innovation and and and, and for us this is the key yeah so flexibility would be the key learning for the luxury sector um just finally what would be the one thing that you wish the hotel sector could understand and then embrace and move on with for me it's not asking for my credit card when i check in but <laughs> yeah and, and again exactly what you said um We've been part a lot. Of, uh, we've been part of a lot of webinars during the the confinement, and with my partner Cesar, we really tend to make sure that tomorrow, client is at the center of attention and of the client experience, because tomorrow they're gonna redo everything. You know, all the protocols. How do we check in? How do we check out? How someone you know enter a room? Don't forget the client. It is at the center, and sometimes we tend to forget it especially when there's a lot of stress, a lot of challenges, a lot of money that has been lost and you need to regain it. 
So don't forget clients. You know, if you say, oh, we're going to put masks or we don't have anyone for the luggage tomorrow, how do you manage to turn it into a better experience and not just send an email, a welcoming email saying, oh, sorry, we're not, we're not going to have a spa. We're not going to have a breakfast buffet. We're not going to have, you know, um, a, a, a luggage carried into your room. So just find out sol fun solution and innovative solution on a long-term basis. Mm. Take advantage of, of the situation, basically. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Well, I'm not opposed to the client coming first. I'm really not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that seems to work. I think that'll work for me. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you to our hosts and contributors for creating this week's episode. Plenty to consider, absorb and reflect on. If your appetite for knowledge remains unquenched, visit our website, hospitalityinsights.com, for more content with purpose and tune in next week for another new episode of In Focus.